Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is on the law of the Lord, and on his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Welcome to the Bread of the Word podcast, a podcast striving to feast on God's Word and let the Bible speak to us all. Let us, as a former generation said, go ad fontes to the fountain and be nourished and sustained by all that God is. Let's dig in together. Hello and welcome back to yet another episode of the Bread of the Word podcast, where we go ad fontes to the fountain, to the Word of God, to be nourished and sustained by all that God is, as he's revealed himself to us. My name is Tyler, I'm your host, and we just had a live broadcast Wednesday night, <clears throat> a quorum deo discussion with Rob Knipe from the Truth and Love podcast and Jay Antello from Provident Perspective. Uh, fellow members of the Truth and Love Network, and we sat down and we had a sort of eschatology roundtable. Given some of the events going on in the world recently, we felt it would be good to discuss um, how we think through things as Christians, how we think through our place in a world that seems to be falling apart, and where God is when we don't understand the seasons. And following that train of thought, we're going to be taking a pause briefly from Job this this afternoon to give time to a text that I mentioned in that episode on Wednesday, um, Ecclesiastes 3. Um, those of you that have been um, listening for a while know I'm quite fond of Ecclesiastes. It is arguably my favorite book of the Bible. <clears throat> I've actually made the joke before that if I was to pick a philosopher to be my favorite, it wouldn't be Plato or Aristotle or any of the big names we heard in high school. It would be King Solomon, because of this book right here, Ecclesiastes. And one of the things about Ecclesiastes is <clears throat> that he gives a lot of time to the incomprehensibility of God's world. That there is a hiddenness to God, that we can't know everything, just as we saw in Job 11. Can you fathom the depths of God? And that very much is a driving theme behind Ecclesiastes, so much so that I think Solomon gets a lot of his ideas from the book of Job. I think Job had a profound influence on Solomonic thought, on the way Solomon fleshes things out in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, and even into Song of Solomon. <clears throat> I think you can trace that back to Job. And so, Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 through 8 says, To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born, and a time to die, <clears throat> a time to plant, and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, 
a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to rend, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. So we are given a list of things by Solomon. Some of them we would say are good things, and some we would say, why would we give attention to them? A time for hate? Like, what? Like we, that's not how we think. <clears throat> but there is, a, there is a season for every single, single one of these things. There is a purpose. There is a time to every purpose under heaven. That's in birth and death, killing and healing, casting away stones and gathering stones. There is a time for all of these. There is a season for all of these. Um, one thing that I tried to give time to Wednesday night was this phrase, Corum Deo, which is Latin. and it's, I, I have a thing for little Latin phrases like that, but the term Corum Deo literally means before the face of God. And it's and the where I went with that was the notion that where we are today <clears throat> the things we do, the places we go are before the face of God. That nothing is hidden from God, as it says in Hebrews, but all is naked and exposed before him. <clears throat> and so a time to be born and a time to die all of these things, the positive and the negative, are before the face of God. That we are directly in parallel with Him. That these things don't escape Him. They're not just random consequences, but this is part of living in God's world. And that's hard sometimes. And I think right now, for many, we don't understand the seasons to use Ecclesiastes' language. <clears throat> there is a time for every... To everything there is a season, but right now many of us don't understand the seasons. And so, verse 9, at the, at the end of this list, Solomon says, What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he labor, laboreth? I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. And right there, he puts this whole list in God's hands. I have seen the trouble that God has given to the sons of men to be exercised in. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. He has set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. <coughs> so God makes everything beautiful in his time. The uh, To be more tactical with the Hebrew, it would be appropriate. But um, I, it, you may have caught that I'm using the King James. Um, I usually don't use the King James when I'm teaching, but I study at the King James, and I just really like the way that it says a lot of things, especially in the Old Testament. And I, honestly, I really love the way it, it puts it here. He has made everything beautiful. 
Appropriate may be the most painfully literal way to do it. But the idea of beautiful refers to <clears throat> the completion. I think conveys that very poetically. The, the fact that God completes his work. So he has made everything beautiful in his time. So at the end of the day, when we look at this list, <clears throat> when we say that there is a time to mourn and a time to dance, when there is a time for war and a time for peace, the fullness of our times is in his hands. While time is a, as we see it, as we talk about it in the modern age, um, we, we talk about it as like, almost as if it's some kind of social construct, but the idea of time as we can understand it here with the seasons and the things that God would have us do in the meantime these are in his hands he holds our tomorrow he holds our today he holds our yesterday and regardless of where we land on eschatology as we got into a little bit Wednesday night <clears throat> you know because I'm an amillennialist which means that I don't um, believe that things will get worse until the church is raptured out, which will mark the beginning of tribulation. That's not how I look at things. I would say that Christ is reigning now, that all authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth, and but it's in heaven. So the kingdom of God has been established from the ascension, and Christ reigns, but he does so from heaven. And so we still live in a world that has sin. And we will, we will live here for some time, on one hand as aliens and strangers, and on one hand as people called to live in God's world for such a time as this. <clears throat> and while I'm not necessarily persuaded that things will usher into a golden age before Christ comes back, the fact of the matter is, Christ reigns. There is, we can cling to that, that at the end of the day, the world is in God's hands still. God is the God is on the throne. And so what do we do when we don't understand the seasons? When we see talk of wars and rumors of wars, when we see economic um, ruin, when we see the all the signs that I've listened to, like I've listened to some political um, takes and some societal takes on YouTube and such, um, and we're our country is bearing a lot of signs right now that have been indicative of societal collapse in other generations outside America. I'm talking like Rome. Um, Jonathan Edwards um, gave a list of signs of societal collapse. <clears throat> and if we look at that, while I'm not the prophet nor the son of a prophet, we bear a lot of signs that we may have some trouble down the pipeline. <clears throat> But how do we navigate that? How do we how do we as Christians think through the seasons that we're in? If God is sovereign, if God is on the throne, if our times are in his hands, how might we think through that? And for that I would encourage us to turn over to Psalm ninety. <laughs> if you've been checking out Bread of the Word for a while, I gave some time to Psalm ninety uh, last December, almost a year ago, it was uh, December. Um, it was after December twelfth. I know that because 
I was getting ready to turn 24, and I was very meditative that week, and so I spent some time digging into Psalm 90. But Psalm 90, <clears throat> picking up in verse 12, says, Teach us to number our days. To number our days, to count our days, to ponder our impermanence. So Moses writes, Teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Return, return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. Satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days thou hast afflicted us, and the years wherein we have seen evil. Let thy work appear unto thy servants, and thy glory unto their children. Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish the work of our hands. Upon us, the work of our hands, establish it. <clears throat> God is timeless. He is, his, the times are in his hands. The seasons are in his hands. But he is still engaged in the affairs of men, so much so that we can ask God, teach us in this. Return, O Lord. Make us glad in these days. May we delight in thee. Um, Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is on the law of the Lord. And on his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, and his leaf also shall not wither, but whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. We have this beautiful picture of God's provision for his people. God provides for his people. Those who delight in God, those who are born again, who are being sanctified, those whose wills are being conformed to his, who are being remade into the image and likeness of Christ, shall be as the tree planted by the river. It goes on to say, The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind driveth away. The wicked shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. And so the Psalms especially are very cognizant of the fact that our times are in God's hands, that God is ultimately the arbiter of life and death. As one poet said, we are immortal until our work is done. That we are, for all intents, we are immortal until it is God's will for us to no longer live. Until God takes us out of this world. Um, when I was younger, my mom used to say things like, I put you in this world and I can take you out. Similar concept. That we are here until God sees fit to take us out. Whether that is a sinful person, whether that is somebody outside the covenants of God, outside the promises of God, or that is somebody in Christ, walking by faith, abiding in Christ. We will all stand before God one day, and that day will be predetermined by God. 
we don't escape this concept of time because we don't have all the facts. <laughs> but when we don't have all the facts, scriptures implore us to ask God. It says in James, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. And he will give it. It says in Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Psalm 111 tells us that the fear of the Lord is wisdom. That to fear God, to regard God as he is. Not as I would have him, but to take God as God. Is wisdom. It's the beginning of knowledge and it is the substance of wisdom. <clears throat> so... Psalm 90 says, Teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom, that we, we would become aware of our impermanence, of our own mortality, so that our hearts would be inclined toward wisdom, which presupposes that we fear and honor God. So we apply our hearts into wisdom. <clears throat> that is, it when things get hairy, when the world stops making sense, we go to God. We search our hearts in difficult times. We search our hearts in pleasant times. We search our hearts. And what does that look like? Another psalm, Psalm 139, which we've considered portions of in our study in Job but Psalm 139 um, verse 23 says search me O God and know my heart try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. <clears throat> Search me, O God. Know my heart. In the preceding verses, the psalmist, who is likely David, has been considering how big God is, how much God knows, how much God is able to do, where he's able to be, because he is not bound by a physical body. So much so that it says, if I ascend into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed down in hell, behold, thou art there. But he starts off in verse 1. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. And the word compassest, I really like the King James rendering here because the word compassest, it's really old word, we don't use it very often anymore, but it refers to the threshing of wheat. And that's something that the modern translations don't do. Um, they find other ways to render it, but this word here is referring to the threshing of wheat. Like that is the kind of process by which God searches us, by which he knows us. He is he's threshing wheat. He is in the details. He is 
not taken by surprise. He's not caught off guard. So he's, so David starts off, God knows me. And there's an element to where that can be a very scary thought. But it also is a comforting thought to the person in Christ, to the believer, <clears throat> that Christ knows me, that God knows me. Not because I'm worth knowing, but because God looked into the depth of my heart and stayed. God peeked into the chasms of my wretched heart. He saw the best that I had to offer and then died to cover it. That God saw the best in me and died to save me from it. Verse 6 says, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. Where can I go from thy spirit? Whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend into heaven, thou art there. And if I make my bed down in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take on the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall uphold me. So in an age where things are falling apart, it seems, in an age where things don't make sense, <clears throat> when we're seeing talk about wars and famines and plagues in faraway countries, when we're seeing societal collapse discussions in our country, when we're seeing the culture absolutely abandon God, abandon the fact that there is a God to which we all must give an account, when we see all of this, when we see all these dominoes falling over, God has not left us. God is still here. God is still upholding the world by his righteous right hand. He is still upholding the world by the word of his power, as it says in Hebrews 1. That he is still superior. He has not left. Hebrews 13 says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And I read a sermon from Spurgeon several years ago where he said that that actually in Greek contains a quintuple negative. That essentially, in Hebrews 13, God says, I will never, 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 never leave thee. We can work with that. <clears throat> That's not a super spiritual academic pondering. That's, he's going to stay. When the world continues in the, the, the path that it's on, God will still stay. God will still be here. God is not running for the hills because we just made too big of a mess. But rather, God is in the mess with us. Psalm 40 says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon the rock, and established my goings. He hath put a new song in my mouth. Praise unto our God, and many shall see it, and fear, and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. And that's where we are. 
<clears throat> is he brought me up out of the pit. My favorite psalm, Psalm 130, says, Out of the depths have I cried unto thee. That we have a God who is available to us in the pits, in the depths, in the mess of our lives. God is not distant. He's not, he's not far from any of us. But he is available to all that would ask, all that would cry out to him in faith. <clears throat> and so as we go forwards this is the way forwards we walk with Christ into an uncertain future because that uncertain future is actually certain not as crystal clear as we would like it to be but we are told that the sufferings of this present age are not worth compa comparing with the glory that is yet to be revealed we are told that the whole earth groans as if with labor pains together yearning to be remade for the resurrection of the of of, of our bodies <clears throat> we're told that he that began a good work in us will carry it to completion we're told in revelation that he is making all things new <clears throat> and it may look bad right now it's looked bad before and that doesn't negate the hardness of the world we have to live in. But this is still God's world. And he has placed us here for such a time as this. This is the time that God saw fit to have me live. I can work with that. Not because <clears throat> I'm just that great that I'm here to save the world, but because even here, God is with me. He is the God who stays. He's the God who guides. He is the God who leads. He's the God who provides. Um, Jay, um, last Wednesday on our discussion, <clears throat> took great pains to bring to mind the many promises of God which it says in Revelation, are all yes and amen in Christ. That as we go into a quote-unquote uncertain future, the comfort the believer has is in the promises of God. It says, I will be your God, and you will be my people. John 10 says, My sheep know my voice. I give them eternal life and no man shall pluck them out of my hand. This is the God that we have in these days of days. When we do not understand the seasons, we still have God. <clears throat> so let us go to God with our questions, with our concerns, with our lack of understanding. When God seems hidden from us, like there are things he knows we don't, it's because there is. But nonetheless, we're still beckoned to go to God, to commune with this God that we cannot fully understand. I would encourage you to spend some time in the Psalms. There are a handful of Psalms that I have committed to memory for my own prayer, devotion, individual worship. One of them Psalm 40, one of them Psalm 130. There are others, 
<clears throat> but this is I have I have a mixtape of songs written by God that I pray to God. Not because I'm super spiritual or anything, but because these are my anchors. They anchor me to God. And that out of the pit, he's taking me out of the pit and set me on the rock. When I am in the, the depths, he is attentive to my pleas for mercy. Then in Psalm 100, we are the sheep of his pasture. He made us, we did not make him. So let us remember in these days who we are, who we belong to, and where we're going. Thank you for listening. This has been the Bread of the Word podcast. Bread of the Word is a podcast ministry striving to feed people the wonderful words of God, book by book, chapter by chapter, and verse by verse, striving to let the word speak for itself. This ministry is also a member of the Truth and Love Network, a diverse fellowship of fellow podcasts of different theological backgrounds united in the gospel of God. For more from the Bread of the Word podcast or the Truth and Love Network, check out the links below and follow us on social media. Until next time, God bless. Matthew 4.4.